0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. It is March 2019, and it is my very first episode for the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. I'm excited. I don't know where this show is going to go, but I'm fired up to be here with you guys on this journey as we tackle real estate, specifically South Bay Real Estate. In the greater Los Angeles area, I am your host, Richard Haynes. I am a real estate broker, I'm a real estate investor, and I just love real estate. My passion is residential real estate. I am the broker and owner of the South Bay Boutique brokerage, Manhattan Pacific Realty. Uh, In my past, I have raised money and developed and continue to hold this day low-income housing in South Los Angeles. I've bought and sold at the trustees' sales, or known as the foreclosure auctions, and flipped them for profit. I've done ground-up spec development along the beach cities here in the South Bay, and I am a real estate broker currently. with 16 agents and I dabble in and out of all those markets and uh, just love the game of real estate. I don't know where this podcast is going to go or how it's going to go down, but I'm going to work through it, get better at it. I'm going to listen to feedback and we're going to make this a great thing that hopefully offers a ton of value to you. So thank you for tuning into the first episode. My heart's racing a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I've re-recorded the opening, not two, not three, but multiple, multiple times, Uh, and even did a recording 10 minutes in and shut it down because I was self-conscious about how it sounded. So I'm not shutting this one down. We're going to go with it. We're going to see where it leads, and uh, we're going to get an episode done. So let me pick up my outline from off the floor. What we're going to be talking about on this show and the journey we're going to take together, again, I'm going to reiterate, this show is going to be focused on South Bay residential real estate. We're going to venture into markets in the greater LA area, but the focus will be South Bay. Uh, But I do think people need perspective in LA if you're a South Bay real estate holder or investor, and of course, anyone... In greater LA is going to want to know a little bit more about LA and then how that can relate to the South Bay market. We're also going to probably talk about income properties down the road. I still hold, I advise on buying and selling income properties, even though my main focus is is home sales. We're also going to dabble into some commercial. And if people want, I can talk to people about how to become a real estate agent, run your real estate business, uh, a real estate brokerage, and then obviously, I'm going to advise highly home buyers and sellers and investors. Uh, r- this is really going to hopefully be data driven with a lot of stuff, uh, anecdotal evidence, and just feelings I'm getting working in the South Bay real estate market and beyond. Um, and we'll find our groove over the next few episodes and maybe even get a few guests on the show. But for now, it's going to be me. Um, I'm, I was talking about a great single radio show host. One person came to mind Colin Cowherd, um, and how he sits there for hours and hours as a one man show and can talk into a microphone and keep you entertained. Uh, Vin Scully of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I am nowhere near um, those types of um, radio show personalities. Um, but I've listened to some of their stuff. I'm going to try and, uh, take some goodies what they do and, and be me at the same time. And we'll see where this thing goes. So thanks for bearing with me on the first time jitters. Let's get into the show. Um, this week's episode, we're going to cover three topics. If I ramble on, maybe we'll cut it short to two, but I've got on the dashboard three topics. Topic number one, 2019, the state of the modern residential home selling market. That's a mouthful, but we'll get into it a little bit more. Topic number two, local markets and their year-over-year real estate data and my anecdotal thoughts on those markets. Again, the South Bay is what I tend to cover, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach – and the Palace Verdes Peninsula. Topic number three, local median income versus local median prices. I think those two items are really important to the real estate market, and I'm going to dial into those for the South Bay. Maybe we'll get into it beyond. Those are the three topics. Let's jump right into it and start again with topic number one, 2019, the state of the modern residential home selling market. I'm bringing this up on the first episode because if you were doing real estate 20 years ago, the game has changed. If you just started looking at homes or income properties four units and under, which are considered residential real estate, the game is what the game is now. And I want to make sure everyone understands. And what I mean by the Modern residential home selling market is really the subtopic of the advent or, or the invention of Zillow and Redfin. And these are some really important companies that I want people to understand deeply because they have democratized the residential real estate market. 20 years ago, realtors owned all the listings. And all the closed sales and you had to go to a realtor to understand a real estate market or have access to listings. That all changed with the internet. That all changed with Zillow. And the consumer now had all of the real estate information or a majority of the important real estate information that realtors used to have and they could come to conclusions on their own and they could be educated consumers on what they were looking to buy. And the reason why I'm starting with this and the modern home selling market is because it created a market that was truly efficient. Home real estate or residential real estate used to be an inefficient market dominated by a few with a few who had the information. Now everyone has the information. The consumer demands it, and it's not changing anytime soon. I liken it to the stock market. You know, many decades ago, the stock market was a tough place to invest in because there was insider trading. Andrew Carnegie, it's actually pronounced Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie made his fortune on insider trading. And at that time, it was legal. And... I would say a couple decades ago, realtors had all the insider trading news on the real estate market. But anyway, back to the stock market, Uh, they outlawed insider trading. The internet came and changed the stock market. Now, all the information was on the internet. All the reports were on the internet. All the financials were on the internet. You have 24-7 News, Yahoo Finance, CNBC.com. And platforms to trade and buy and sell stocks became available to the consumer. That's not changing anytime soon. The consumer is smarter about their stock portfolio investments, and that's exactly what's happened today with the modern residential home market. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm going to talk about it, how it applies to sellers and how it applies to buyers, is that this Open information of residential real estate has created an efficient stock market just like the stock market, or excuse me, has created an efficient market just like the stock market. Residential real estate is it went from an inefficient market or slightly inefficient market to a hyper-efficient market because everyone knows all the information right now. I'm going to give you an example before I jump into how it applies to sellers and buyers. Apple stock is trading at $200 a share, let's say. If you want to buy or sell Apple stock, it's $200. If you want to sell your shares at $250, I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait because no one's buying your shares for $250 when they can go to the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange, or the NASDAQ, wherever Apple stock is traded, and you are not going to be able to sell Apple stock for $250. It's trading for $200. Your Apple stock is worth $200. If you want to buy shares in Apple, but you want to buy it for $150, I'm sorry, you cannot buy Apple stock for $150. It's worth $200. You're going to have to wait for the shares to fall to $150 to buy it. And this is the same thing in real estate. You have sellers whose home may be worth a million dollars and they want a million and a half. And you have buyers who are looking at homes that are worth a million dollars and they want to buy it for $500,000. And eventually, this efficient market humbles everyone and sellers have to sell for what their home is worth, plus or minus a small percentage. And buyers eventually have to buy homes for what they're worth plus or minus a small percentage. And what everyone's trying to do is is get some sort of edge, whether if for sellers it is selling during the proper season or selling when inventory is lower or when your next door neighbor sells and gets a higher comp, or whether with buyers is it going after distressed sales or any other number of items that might give a buyer um <clears throat> excuse me, might give a buyer an edge on getting maybe a lower price than market. So I'm going to jump into this efficient home selling market and how it applies to sellers first and how it applies to buyers second. So starting with sellers, all the information is out there today. Buyers are smarter than they've ever been. Agents are smarter than they've uh, uh, ever been. And your listing competition and sellers who are selling against you are smarter than they've ever been. Your house is worth what it's worth based on the recent comps that have sold. People are looking at most of the time, the last six months, sometimes the last year, And that is how they are going to value your home. You cannot force someone to look at a comp from three years ago. You cannot force someone to look at a partially finished new construction sale and tell them what the developer is going to ask for it. It's what have properties sold for in the recent past. And because of that, sellers need to be aware that their price is everything, The seller whose whose house is worth a million dollars and starts at one, two is the seller that makes the least amount of money in the end. I tell my sellers and my clients when we list their house the greatest sin in the modern residential home market is overpricing your home. That's true at least what i see in the south bay for 90% of the market. 90% of the market has a lot of sales, a lot of comps. It's not very difficult to figure out what your home is worth for a seasoned real estate agent or investor. And for that buyer who logs on to Zillow and Redfin every 2 hours at at work looking at the market for the last 6 months, they know what your house is worth too and they know what they're willing to pay for your house. And so if your home's worth a million dollars and you're trying to find that dumb real estate buyer or that shady real estate agent of 20 years ago when the information wasn't out there to snag an above market price, it just doesn't happen a majority of the time. Far, far more often, it will never happen. And so... I tell my sellers the greatest sin in real estate is overpricing because when you overprice, no one is going to buy your house. It's going to sit on the market. You're going to cut the price. No one's going to care. No one's going to look because you've got multiple days on market and everyone starts going, what's wrong with the house, etc., etc. So the greatest sin in this real estate market in a hyper-efficient market that mimics the stock market is overpricing. Your house. You need to price your house appropriately. Is your house worth a million dollars? Do you have time and don't care about selling it quickly? Maybe a million fifty. Do you want to move it really, really quickly because you've got to get to the next city for your new job and get your kids into school but need that down payment money? Maybe nine fifty is the right price to get multiple offers, and sell very quickly with a strong offer. You c- you just cannot make the mistake of overpricing your home. In fact, I would say you should aggressively price your home because the market's efficient, and if you list your property for $925,000 and it's worth a million, it'll probably get a million dollars, and potentially maybe more depending on the real estate market. I'm going to give you guys an example that I'm not just talking the talk. I've seen it happen over and over again. When you when you list properly or slightly aggressively, you're going to get the proper price for your house. And if you if you really have an aggressive pricing strategy with the right plan in place, you'll get the price and oftentimes higher depending on the real estate market. I'm going to give an example of a property for myself. I have plenty of examples for clients that this has worked for as a seller, but I want to show that I also walk the walk I'm going to use an example. I bought a four-unit property in South Central Los Angeles, rent-controlled property, for a great deal back in 2011, 2012. I felt I scored an amazing deal at that time, and I sold it four or five years later when the market had had an amazing run. I had stabilized the property. I had done some repairs. A couple tenants had left, and it allowed me to raise Rents even higher to make the property more valuable. And the comps in the area were showing $575,000 were the comps for my four-unit property. My property was a tad nicer and probably spit out another 100 to $200 a month in income and as a seller i went i should get more than 575 but there's no proof that i can get more than 575 we were in a rising market so maybe there was a chance maybe there wasn't but what i wanted to do was is to get that higher than 575 price because i thought i was a little bit better than those those proper comps is i underlisted the property get this Not, it was $575 were the comps, not $550, not $525, but I listed my four unit property for sale for $499,000. I thought potentially I could get $599,000, almost $600,000. I underpriced my property by $100,000 and I underpriced my property by $75,000 because of the $575,000. Dollar comps that we had. I got within the first five days 10 offers on my property and I put the listing on hold so no one could see it. I stopped receiving offers and I went to every offer and everyone that called me and I said, everyone's getting a counter. And so since everyone knew they were getting a counter offer, everyone offered $499, $505 because they knew they were going to get a counteroffer for best and final price. And I was going, man, maybe I made a mistake underlisting my property. Well, maybe it was really low, but if you have the proper strategy in place to get people higher or have, have a plan if you really underlist like I did how to get people up, you're going to be just fine. So what I did with those 10 offers was is I countered everyone, not best and final and we'll accept the best and final price. I said, hey, all of you are sandbagging, this sale because you know you're going to get a best and final. You all know it's worth 575. I told them all I go, I think it's worth 599. I think it's worth 100 grand more because it produces a little bit more income and it's a nicer property with the work I put in. I said, "I'm going to counter all 10 of you." And I said the top 3 offers, the top 3 offers are going to then make it to the best and final counter round. And I kept hammering into their heads that I thought the property was worth $599 and showed them the $575 comps and why we should get a little bit more. I got a feeding frenzy from those 10 offers and got three offers all right around $575. They all came up to the comps one probably 10 grand under I think it was what it was one right on 575 and one a little bit higher cuz they understood my justification for the 599 we did a best and final counter round and one single offer came to 599 so in that scenario I listed at 499 the comp said 575 I got tons of offers got people easily to 575 and I was able to find someone who would create a new higher comp and pay me $599 because it made sense based off the comps that I was worth $599. Period. And I was able to get a great buyer who was motivated on a 1031, who was putting 50% down. And I sold the property. And it was about as easy as you could ever run a sale as possible by underpricing a property for 100 grand less. Let me remind you, I didn't want $650. If I wanted $650, I would have waited another year for higher comps to come up and prove that I could get $650. But at that time, the comps were $575. I thought I could get $599, and we got $599. I got what it was worth. So I'm gonna switch gears from blabbering on from sellers on this 2019 state of the modern residential home selling market and go on to buyers. But before I do, sellers, your house is worth what it's worth. What are the comps? At that time, if you want more, you got to wait for better comps, and that's the long and the short of it. You live in an efficient real estate market. There's maybe 10% of you in very luxurious markets or areas with not a lot of comps or not a lot of buyers where you may need to give yourself a little bit of wiggle room, but more often than not, and yes, South Bay, 90%, 95% of the South Bay is an efficient market where it's going to sell for what it sells. Buyers. Buyers, I'm moving on to you now. Thank you for being patient. Buyers, the market is efficient. You're going to buy a property for what it's worth, period. Sellers are going to sell for what their property is worth, plus or minus, a few percentage points. If you have a skilled agent or list it seasonally, we'll get into those things in later episodes, Uh, later Richard Haynes real estate shows. Um, But buyers, you too are just like sellers and you're going to get a property for what it's worth. Um, You are not smarter than the market. You are very smart and you're armed with more data than any buyers have ever had ever in this real estate market and you won't make a mistake overpaying for a property if you study or you hire an agent that really knows what they're doing. I'm going to give you guys a few tidbits. I didn't get into it for sellers on how to get a little bit more or the mistakes a seller could make where they would get a little bit less than market. But buyers, I'm going to tell you in today's market that has been going up and now as you've seen reports for California real estate, we're shifting now. We're in a shifting real estate. That's code word that sales are slowing, price growth is slowing, and maybe in some places prices are even falling. But in this shifting market... Where do buyers get an edge? We're at such an efficient market because we've risen so much and there's such low supply and affordability is so small. It's hard to get an edge as a buyer, but where you're going to get an edge as a buyer are distressed sales that need all cash. And if you're a buyer that doesn't have all cash, that's tough. Or you've got to go out and raise cash or find hard money or something to make you all cash. Um. That's number one, one of three. Number two of three, I go, you got to find a shady deal, an agent that wants to double end and make double commission and is willing to give out a little bit better deal because their sellers don't know. And they're willing to sell it at a lower price for you to come directly to them and, and make a good deal. Most often, if you're not a professional flipper a professional developer, you're nowhere near those shady deals. You may think you are or you may think you go to an open house that's on the MLS and talk directly to the real estate agent and say, hey, if I write an offer through you, can you get me a lower price? Most often than not, you're not going to get that really, really good off-market and or, I'm sorry to say it, shady deal and getting a great, great price. You're just not a professional investor. Um, getting those type of prices three of three and really I think the best way to get a deal for standard buyers these days are mismarketed properties and again these are the sellers that listed too high had bad pictures listed during the holidays have been on the market for six plus months don't have staging it's a little dirty not cared for blah 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 Those mismarketed stale listing properties that every buyer's passed over and goes, what's wrong with that? If you are sharp at analyzing a property or have an agent that can show you what it's worth and you go in – and you see some blood in the water that they need to now sell and they'll negotiate, those are where really the deals are, where if you can find that $2 million home and get it for $1.9 or one eight five, because the seller just wants to throw their hands up and, and be done with it, that's your deal right there. That's where you're going to get an edge in this market. Outside of that, this market is efficient. Down the road, it will get a little bit more inefficient for buyers, and down the road, we'll go over... Uh, how to get a better price as a seller and and what to avoid to get a lower price. But that, I'm going to stop right there, the state of the modern residential home selling market. I want everyone to walk away with that this is an efficient market these days. When you sell, you get what your house is worth if you're working with the right people, smart, honest people. And buyers, if you're working with smart, honest people, you're going to buy a property for what it's worth. Moving on to topic number two, we're going to get into local market year-over-year data and then some of my anecdotal thoughts. We may not get into median income versus local median prices, but that's going to feed really well into next episode. Uh, And what I'll be talking about with Bruce Norris, who's been one of the best California residential real estate forecasters, he really leans on that. I'm going to give you guys local data on that and then talk to you about what Bruce's forecasts are for the state of California and how that affects the South Bay. But let's move on to topic number two, local market year-over-year data and my anecdotes on it. We're going to go over Manhattan Beach, Palos Verdes, Redondo Beach, and Hermosa Beach. Those four, starting with Manhattan Beach. Year over year, 2018 home prices in Manhattan Beach, year over year, that's 2018 prices versus 2017 prices, Manhattan Beach was up 1.93% according to data on the MLS. Every Single market, submarket in Manhattan Beach. And by submarket, I'm taking sand section as a submarket, tree section, hill section, and then combining the three sections east of Sepulveda and calling that East Manhattan Beach. So of those four subsections, all of the subsections were down with the exception of the hill section. So the city as a whole was up 1.3%. The sand section was down. The tree section was down, and all of East Manhattan Beach together was down. The hill section was the lone wolf up. The hill section has been insane. The hill section was up 25% year over year, if you can believe that. The hill section's been on fire. It's actually been up huge over the last few years. If you bought a home in 2015 in the hill section, not that long ago, you're up 52%. Or on the median price in the hill section, you're up an incredible $1.3 million. Everywhere in Manhattan Beach, year over year for 2018, was down. Sand section was down 8.2%. That's a drop from 3.2 million down to 2.925 million. You know, it was down from 2017, but 2017 was up pretty darn big. And then in 2016, the sand section was down again. The sand section has kind of been volatile. Not kind of. It has been volatile, and I've actually seen it. It seems like it's mimicking the stock market. Tree section was flat. Tons of new construction there. Tree section was flat in Manhattan Beach. And East Manhattan Beach as a whole was down 5.3%, which I find fascinating because that's the most affordable area in Manhattan Beach. It's kind of been in vogue the last few years. New construction in East Manhattan Beach has been setting bonkers, bonkers records, like crazy record prices in East Manhattan Beach new construction that's blowing my mind, but it's still down 5.3%. New construction really on a whole in Manhattan Beach has been making records, but it's interesting to see that a lot of the submarkets are still down, and I think that's dangerous for people who are buying new construction because if you are making new construction records year over year over year, but the overall market is struggling a little bit, new construction's tends to lead markets and also get premiums above existing constructions or not as nice homes. But if those not as nice homes are going down in price and you're setting a record, when that spread gets too big, that's when new construction gets hurt on pricing. I'm not saying it's going down, but I think East Manhattan Beach, based on the data, if East Manhattan Beach as a whole is going down on price but new construction is making record sales, There's a red flag if you're buying East Manhattan Beach. It could keep going. Buyers in Manhattan Beach want new construction. They want turnkey. They want remodeled properties. But Manhattan Beach uh, outside of the hill section looks to be down. New construction is making records. I think the deals are in existing homes and homes that need work, but that's not what the buyers want these days. So if you're new or newer, you're looking good as a seller. If you're a buyer of new construction, I think you need to be very, very wary, and if you're looking to buy kind of a rough around the edges house, time it right, and put a little elbow grease into it, I think you might be rewarded and be able to get property at a discount as a buyer. That's the Manhattan Beach data for right now, year over year. We're going to move on to Palos Verdes, the hill, the Palos Verdes Peninsula, 90274, 90275, Palos Verdes as a whole, the entire hill, was up year over year, 7.7% median prices. There's four cities on the hill and an unincorporated area, two unincorporated areas on the hill. Of the four cities, three were up, one was down. The one city that was down in PV was Palos Verdes Estates which probably comes as a shock to a lot of people. Palos Verdes Estate is a wealthier, affluent, more affluent area of the hill, and it was down 3.5%. One of the submarkets in Palos Verdes Estate, Monte, that's an area that's been in vogue, wasn't up hugely, and that tends to be super desired by beach families that go, hey, the beach is too expensive. I'm moving to the hill. I'm moving to Val Closest property to Riviera Village, closest property to get me back to the beach um, with the rest of my connections. PVE down 3.5%. Moving on to Rancho Palos Verdes, tends to be the most affordable submarket on the hill, up 3.5%. Affordability is in vogue. There's a lot of de- demand for affordable houses. RPV has been up, up, up. The past few years, 3.5% is a muted growth rate for RPV. I think because that's an affordable market, a more affordable market, buyers there are trying to get first time homes. They're first time home buyers, excuse me. I think interest rates rising in the middle to the end of the year, this market was interest rate sensitive. If we didn't have a rise in interest rates, that market would be up bigger, but instead it's up 3.5%. Next city up, Rolling Hills, the city behind the gates. Only gated city in the United States, or maybe the only gated city in California anyway. It's a gated, basically residential city. Rolling Hills has been been getting hammered the last few years. But in 2018, year over year, Rolling Hills was up 15%. I think, uh, as the stock market analysts like to say, it was a dead cat bounce. You can only go down so much before it becomes a good deal and buyers jump in and bring it back up. In 2016, Rolling Hills was down 19.12%, so down 19% in 2016 after reaching its its peak in 2015, or most recent peak, and then it was down again almost 11% in 2017. So down, call it 20% in 2016, down 10% in 2017, and we finally got a dead cap bounce of 15% up, which I think was well warranted. Rolling Hills is a great place to be, down 30%. Over the past two years was just too much, and coming back 15% was warranted. Moving on to the fourth and final city here on the list, Rolling Hills Estates. Rolling Hills Estates is an interesting city if you don't know the hill because... It's really chopped up around the hill. You've got spots around PV and Rolling Hills closer to Torrance and the Beach, and then you've got parts of Rolling Hills Estates that are up on top of the hill past you know Peninsula Center up more around High Ridge, and there's gated communities over there. So it's really a really tough city to analyze. Um, you really have to break it probably into two areas to, to really fully get it, maybe even three-plus areas. But Rolling Hills Estates up... year over year. This has been a sneaky, consistent area of the hill, and people are starting to discover it because it's located actually, you know, half of it is located fairly easily to get to the beach cities for a lot of people relocating to PV, and it's easy to. Uh, get on to the 110 freeway if you need to. Uh, I think you know some areas, the the Mason Gate areas, the Los Ranchos Verdes, the Lanes. Those areas are kind of him- hidden gems of of Rolling Hills Estates that are being discovered out- outside of res- residents of PV. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a really good, nice market uh, coming on down the road here. Um, so anyway, PV up 7%, but uh, PVE down 3.5%. RPV, Rolling Hills Estates, uh, you know, up 35 and 5.5%, and Rolling Hills up big 15%. But the hill is healthy overall. Moving on to Redondo Beach. South Redondo Beach up 10%, a little bit over 10%. Stable sales, good growth. South Redondo Beach, in my opinion, is chilling. It's a diverse, really, really solid market. You've got beautiful homes on the beach. You've got condos off the beach that are super affordable. Just a market that is, you know, city planners should study because you have people who can buy $400,000 condos. All the way to people buying, you know, $10 million homes on the beach there. So everything's very stable in Redondo Beach with good growth year over year. North Redondo, 9.37%. You call it 10% growth in North Redondo. This tends to be more affordable. You're east of Hermosa Beach and Manhattan Beach, butting up against Lawndale and the, you know, getting close to the 405 freeway. North Redondo Beach has been on fire because it's probably the most affordable area of the South Bay that I'm covering here. But the interesting thing about North Redondo Beach year over year is it was up 10%, but sales shockingly dropped by 15%. There were 15% less closed sales, which in a market that's been on fire over the last three years, sales dropped by 15%. Again, I liken this to Rancho Palos Verdes, first-time home buyer market, interest rate sensitive, interest rates really affected North Redondo Beach in my opinion. It's March. The feds kind of pulled back their stance. I think they figured out that they were really messing with the real estate market. I think that's going to help North Redondo and, and RPV. If rates continued up on autopilot, those markets could have gotten hurt. So anyway, Redondo Beach, huge city. We can get into that city in more detail Um, But I'm going to stick with South Redondo Beach and North Redondo Beach overall, healthy market, growing, a beach city that's affordable, Um, things look good with the exception of that little blip of a drop in sales in North Redondo. It'll be interesting to see as interest rates have come down here a little bit to see what happens with North Redondo Beach. Last city on the list, Hermosa Beach, California, where we are recording here from my home office. Hermosa Beach, up. 3.5% on a whole, the smallest city on this list, Hermosa Beach, median prices, 2018, when compared to 2017, is up 3.5%. You know, uh, condos and townhomes in in Hermosa Beach have have been on fire. There's three submarkets in Hermosa Beach, the Hermosa Sand section, the Hermosa Valley, and East Hermosa. Each of those submarkets were up. When you break down condos and townhomes, they have been on fire in Hermosa Beach. And I kind of look at, at Hermosa as the quote unquote affordable luxury city of the South Bay. So there's affordable, you can get amazing, nice new construction townhomes that feel like you're in Manhattan Beach, but might be a little bit better located than North Redondo Beach, and, and you're getting a reasonable price for what you're getting. Condos and townhomes were up 13%. In Hermosa Beach, and that's after being up 16% in 2017 and up 23% in 2018. Wow. I also just recently wrote a blog post on uh, my weekly blog, www.manhattanpacificrealty.com forward slash blog, about how East Hermosa Beach new construction has been insane. And it talks about the growth of new construction townhomes going bananas over there, and far outselling new construction single family homes just a couple years ago. So the townhome and condo market in Hermosa Beach has been on fire. Um, you know, single families actually in my in my first three quarter report that I send out to some of my clients were actually down seven percent three quarters over three quarters 2018 compared to 2017, but they staged a huge comeback where they ended up the year up. So uh, a a nice little data point for Hermosa Beach, single-family homes as well, but as a whole, Hermosa Beach is up 3.5% on the year. So that's the conclusion of year-over-year data and me giving you a little anecdotal evidence on danger buying new construction in East Manhattan Beach. Rolling Hills having a little bit of a dead cat bounce. Interesting will be to see the effect on the the Rolling Hills market with Rolling Hills Country Club bringing out 100 homes, you know, 3 million plus. That's not in Rolling Hills, but that's going to have an effect being very closely located in Rolling Hills Estates. Redondo Beach, up strongly. I uh, think it's a healthy market, but we're watching it uh, with interest rates affecting North Redondo Beach and anecdotes on her, Hermosa Beach just being insane on, on the condo and townhome market. I don't really know what to make of that. But that's the data and anecdotes on topic number two. As I predicted, I would be long-winded. I'm not going to get into median income and median prices. We're going to get into that more next episode. We're going to be talking about Bruce Norris, the amazing California real estate forecaster. Um, so before I get into that um, – well, actually, let's get into it. Bruce Norris is going to be the topic of, of next next episode. We're going to get into – the report that he recently released and that I attended in January, he does—he did a 250-page report with all sorts of insanely good, juicy data that I love. That I'll break down for you into hopefully bite-sized pieces on what the real estate market's going to do. He really believes in affordability, uh, incomes versus prices, so that's why I did some research on local, our local city, South Bay incomes versus medium prices, and we're going to compare it to Bruce what he thinks what I think from what I'm seeing around here and uh, and and what could hold for the market in the future. So that's it. We covered the efficient markets here, how Redfin and Zillow have uh, influenced markets. We've covered how you shouldn't be overpricing your home, and that's the greatest sin, how buyers can get an edge, but at the end of the day, you're going to buy for what the property is worth. Um, I would love feedback on what you guys are looking for on the next podcast. Please DM me on Instagram, Richard Haynes Real Estate. Um, Email me, Richard, at com, or give us a call on our office line. Just Google us. Come up with some topics. I want to give what's valuable to you. I'm going to keep digging into data and uh, uh, giving anecdotes to you. I'm going to try and give you some real-life case studies. I'm going to talk to you about real-life negotiations that we're going over, who made a mistake, why, what happened um, with negotiations I've had this past month. Um, and and We're going to take questions from you guys and maybe have some, some interviews here down the road. But With that said, gear up for the Bruce Norris conversation and I'll come up with one or two other items with your help and other things we think about. So thank you for tuning in to the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show, first edition, fired up if you made it this long. I so appreciate it and we'll see you next time.